This is the CR Checkup Podcast. My name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with drugs, alcohol, and pride. And you're listening to a Testimony Talk. On our Testimony Talks, we get a chance to hear from someone who has taken the steps and applied them to their own life. This gives us the opportunity to see how the program works and to gain hope that we might have similar experiences. Welcome to our testimony talk. I have my good friend Dylan on the podcast with me today. Dylan, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Dylan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with drugs and alcohol and a bunch of other stuff. What's up, Dylan? What's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me on. Super stoked about this. Heck yeah, man. Uh, hopefully, you guys were uh, at our meeting on Monday and got a chance to hear Dylan's testimony. Got a little emotional in the building. Uh, we got to just kind of share a moment together, and, and uh, it's been really cool to to see Dylan grow um, at our Celebrate Recovery and just in our community, and uh, just to see what God's been doing in his life. And uh, I'm very excited for you guys, the listeners, to get a chance to hear that because maybe you missed our meeting on Celebrate uh, on Monday, or maybe you don't even come to our meeting. You're in a different state or a different country. Uh, super excited for you to get to know Dylan a little bit. So. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, Dylan, would you mind uh, just telling our listeners a little bit about what brought you to Celebrate Recovery? And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty rough road. It was a, it was a really, really rough journey. Uh, a journey and a life ran purely on self-will for the most part that brought me into Celebrate Recovery. You know, I'd, uh, I made a lot of poor decisions and I had done a very, very good job of making an absolute mess of my life. Uh, I tried my best to live life without the guidance of God. Uh, I tried my best to manage my own life. And like I said, man, most of it just ended up being a life ran on self-will. And uh, eventually got to the point where I became a, a full-blown fentanyl addict, you know? And prior to that, I, I had always struggled with uh, alcoholism and drug addiction. But I, I, I never was willing to admit that at the time. You know, it, it took a long time for me to get to the point to where I was actually willing to admit that I needed some help, you know. And I had been attending Palm Valley Church. My wife, actually, um, who, just in case anybody was there one day, some up to her, and I think this was so appropriate. After my testimony, it was supposed to be like my time to shine, you know. Went up to my wife and they're like, you're the real hero. So I just want to go ahead and make that very known right now that she is the real hero of the story. But anyway. So I had started going to Palm Valley Church a couple of years before I actually got to celebrate recovery. And again, you know, I was kind of going through a spiritual battle at this time. You know, I knew I needed something, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Uh, And even sadder than that is, you know, I was unwilling to admit uh, maybe that I, I needed God or that I needed the help of a, a fellow addict um, to maybe straighten my life out a little bit. So anyway, you know, I, I go through these years of addiction, man, and it, it gets bad. It just gets really, really bad. Uh, character defects are flying around and I'm, I have no idea I'm even doing it. I'm living in a delusional world uh, to where I think that 
I'm managing something and then I'm doing okay. You know, I wasn't fully willing to admit that I had a problem. Um, but eventually one day, man, I got so exhausted that I, I went to my wife and I essentially told on myself, you know, I came clean to my wife and I, and I just told her, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm not doing good. I need help. And we had seen uh, at Palm Valley Church, they, they hand out the, uh, the prayer card or the, the cards, you know, the testimony or the prayer notes. And uh, on the back of there, there's always a list of upcoming events, upcoming schedules and whatnot. And I had seen where it said celebrate recovery. My wife pointed it out to me as well. Um, and this was also around the time that you, John, had a short uh, video testimony um, that played during the service, uh, during the weekend service. You know, so my, it was fresh on my wife's mind. It was pretty fresh on my mind. Eventually, I mustered up the courage to actually show up, you know, and for anybody listening out there who maybe was thinking about going or has been, but is scared to go back, just know I understand how terrifying it was to walk through those doors. You know, to, it felt like I was taking my mask off for the first time. Like I was taking this disguise off for the first time. Like I was going to walk into this room and everybody was going to know that I had a problem. You know, and that absolutely terrified me, you know, but what I found when I got there was this warm embrace, man, of just people looking to heal through the power of Christ and through the power of connection with one another, you know, because I am a big subscriber. I really believe in that theory. The opposite of addiction is connection, you know, so I know for me, my recovery is heavily reliant upon my connection with my fellow man, fellow alcoholics, fellow addicts. But also my connection with God, man, my connection with God has to be strong because if that's wavering, my spirituality is not doing good. And when my spirituality is not doing good, I'm in trouble, you know? Um, so I, I found a home there. I found a home at Celebrate Recovery. I did start attending that meeting religiously. Um, it didn't take for me right away, you know, because I still had reservations. I still wasn't fully willing to admit uh, that I needed the 12 steps. You know, I thought maybe I could just show up to the meeting, enjoy the meeting, and I was going to be good to go for that week. You know, so I wasn't really willing to work the steps yet. Um, I wasn't really willing to admit that I needed you guys the way I really do, you know. So there were a lot of reservations, but I know that a very, very important seed was planted when I mustered up the courage to walk through those doors and, and connect with people now consider family celebrate recovery. So cool, man. You know, I think uh, it's so valid uh, what you're talking about, just kind of showing up for the first time. I've heard countless stories of people sitting in the parking lot for hours. They pull up to the meeting on a Monday night and they leave, you know, over weeks or months even, and uh, just get so just flustered by the idea of coming in uh, that they don't even ever actually attend. And I just think, you know, so honestly, that's kind of like, one, it was the same for me, you know, it's kind of like one of the first spiritual experiences that I had without even understanding what it was or what was going on. You know, there's this, this spiritual battle going on inside of my chest. Um, and I think, you know, deep down inside of me, I knew that if I walked through those doors, 
like something was going to change, you know, like I can, I can uh, walk into any building anywhere in Phoenix or Buckeye or wherever else. And it's not going to do anything to me. But, you know, if I walk into, uh, you know, West Valley Fellowship on a, on a Thursday afternoon, you know what I mean? With a room full of alcoholics, like something's going to change, you know, and, and right. my spirit knows it, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, man, I think that that's so cool that you brought that up because, um, nobody, I don't think any, I haven't had an experience with somebody, um, who hasn't had some kind of, you know, resistance in them or seems like they had a resistance coming into the room. And so, yeah, absolutely. For, for those of you out there that are experiencing that or have experienced that and are, are allowing that to not bring you back, man, give it another shot. Crush. You're <laughs> crushing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So you had that experience, right? Like, um, you know, absolutely. It, we, we've been at it for a while now, right? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you showed it. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool man because i was thinking when you're sharing your testimony on monday uh you know right after you got honest with your wife and and you were doing that detox at your house um uh, i don't mean to share any of your story but uh <laughs> you shared this on monday and uh man i remember when brie called me and asked me to come over to the house do you remember that I do, man. I was going through it, man. I think, I don't know, that was like day two or three or something. And and if anybody has had the uh, unfortunate experience of going through an opiate withdrawal, it is not very fun at all. You know, my emotions were all over the place. I was super depressed. My skin was crawling around. You know, I, it was horrible. But I remember when you showed up, man, like, I felt better. I literally, like, something inside me, like, it felt better. And it kind of goes back to that spiritual experience that you talked about. And I love the way you put it, is that you had this spiritual experience and didn't even realize what it was. And that is so on point, bro. Like, that is so on point. That's exactly what, how it felt. Um, and when you showed up in my house, it's like, oh, my goodness. This dude's for real. Like, he's, like, legitimately out there trying to, you know, trying to help people. You know, and, and it, it was really, really awesome. But yeah, man, that was a that was a really, really rough week, man, for sure. <laughs> well, hey, and it didn't stop there, huh? Like, I mean, dude, and this is the thing. Like, my story is the same way. You know, like I I jumped in and out of the meetings, in and out of the meetings, and uh, you know what set me up to be able to deal with that with you was that I had those experiences myself, and people. Um, you know, instilled that into me, you know, I only knew what to do with you because of what, how people had treated me, you know, and, and even though it was so right. hard, um, I shared <laughs> with you what somebody shared with me. I said, Dylan, and I'll just share it from, from my perspective. Like somebody told me, he said, John, if you're not serious, what are you doing, man? Go out and go out and live it up. Like, if you don't want to be here, like, don't be here, you know, keep, go out and do what you want to do. And uh, I remember telling that to you, bro. And it was like oh, yeah. the hardest thing in the world. But you sh share a little bit about that. Like, um, because we kind of got off on this little topic of, of kind of leaving the meeting and, and making your way back. Like, how does that work, man? Like, how, how do we do that? Well, I think you said it so well, you know, and it's something that I've unfortunately had to tell people too. And I've even had to have this conversation with parents. And, you know, actually right before I jumped on this, uh, on this, this call, I got a text message from a fellow addict's 
mom, you know, and, and all of these things. It's been, that's a whole nother crazy ordeal that people actually ask me advice on addiction now. Like, that just blows my mind, first of all. Um, but when you told me that, and first of all, I want to, I, I, I can't stress enough how hard it really is to tell somebody that. So one, thank you, because that is not an easy thing to tell somebody because at the end of the day, we're risking our lives, right? Like to play at that table, cash doesn't count, right? I have to bet my life on it. Every time that I decide that I'm going to put a drug or a drink in my body, I have to bet my life on it, you know? So knowing that and to sit there and tell somebody, if you're not ready, go out there and get ready. That's a very difficult thing to do. But I know for me, that's what I needed. That is what I needed because I had to, I had to, I, I don't know if I was proving it to you or to me or to anyone else, but I had to go find out, you know, I had to go find out, you know, and uh, one, I, I absolutely love it, man. And I spoke about it, you know, in my testimony, when Jesus told the people, it's in your best interest that I leave you now, because if I don't depart, I will, you know, the help will not come, you know, but if I depart, essentially, I'm going to send the help your way, right? The Holy Spirit's going to go to work on you once I leave, you know? And I remember asking God, I was like, leave me alone. Will you please leave me alone? Like, I don't want your help, you know, because God was a hindrance to my ability to get high the way I wanted to get high, you know? And I remember saying, like, just leave me alone. Will you please leave me alone? There's a room full of people at church that clearly want your help. There's a bunch of people at these meetings that clearly want your help. I don't want your help. And you and God did the best thing that you guys could have done for me. And you let me destroy myself. And I destroyed myself in a manner that I never thought possible. And it was during that period of self-will run, ran riot that the Holy Spirit went to work on me. And I received that gift of desperation that we talk about in the program, you know, and I had that first piece of that surrender moment. And I spoke on this on Monday, man, I'll never forget it. It is burned in my heart. It is burned in my mind. That day that I was sitting in my daughter's room man. I was sitting on the on the floor. I was broken. I was beaten. I was spiritually dead, you know, and I'm sitting in this just pool of misery, this addiction that I have no idea how to get out of. My wife comes to me. She asked me the same question that she had asked so many times before. The same question that I said no to so many times before. She said, Dylan, are you ready to go to treatment? I looked at her with as much vulnerability as I've ever displayed at that up to that point in my life. And I looked at her and I said, yes, I'm ready to go. And I said, yes, because go ahead, man. No, I just think it's valid to uh, kind of put a timeline on this. Um, this is about two years into recovery, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. This is probably, yeah, this is about two years after I walked into that first meeting, man. So again, the, I, and I don't say that to discourage anybody. And I don't think you brought that up to discourage anybody. Oh, I want wow. to encourage people because it didn't, it took me a while, man. Like I said, I, it, I wasn't willing to admit that I needed help because up to that point, well, the bank account looked okay. Uh, I got the house. I got the family. You know, I'm going on vacations. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Explain to me what the problem is, you know, because I always had that, that false shield of social acceptability you know, which I, I naively mistook for personal recovery, right? So as long as I had this, I had that, and I had this to show you, that means I didn't have a problem. And that absolutely destroyed me, you know? Uh, so it took a long time, man, but 
thanks to, you know, your support, my wife's support, and eventually just God going to work on me and, and, you know, again, allowing me to destroy myself, I got to that point where I agreed to go to treatment, man, you know, and I really, like I said, that, that night I feel like was a big moment in my surrender process, you know, but that was a seed that was planted two years prior. You know, when I walked in to celebrate recovery for that first time, and as you so perfectly put, had that spiritual experience that I didn't even know I had, you know, and, and when I got to treatment, man, it, it was, it was, it was gnarly. You know, I, I went and there were still reservations. There were still parts of me that were not willing to admit that I was necessarily those people or that I really needed this or I really needed that. But God has a way of humbling me, man. And that's something that you warned me about. <laughs> you literally <laughs> warned me about it, right? Like, how many times did you tell me, Dylan, humble yourself before God humbles you because you're not going to like it when God humbles you? I didn't listen, right? Just like you told me to go out and get ready. I had to find out for myself if God was really going to humble me or not, you know? And uh, for anybody who's out there as hard-headed as me, please take it from me. He will humble you, and it ain't cool, all right? So anyway, um, you know, I, I was in treatment and this is another one of those memories that's like burned in my mind, man. I, I was about two weeks in and I was still kind of fighting it. I knew I needed help. I knew I couldn't do it on my own anymore. That far, that part I knew, but I had no idea how much of the 12 step program that I was actually going to have to dive into if my life was going to have a chance, you know, and, and I, I was sitting there and I was kind of pouting yada yada and up to this point i hadn't been able to i hadn't been able to speak with my daughter i just didn't have the strength to speak with my daughter my wife puts my daughter on the phone after about two weeks because i think i'm feeling better you know and, and i think i can handle it you know and she she puts her on the phone and she says the first thing she says to me and she's three years old at this time she says daddy are you coming home today and when she asked me that question man it absolutely broke me to pieces and that was like that metaphorical and literal hit my knees moment and at that moment i looked up and i kind of had this conversation with god and i found this place of acceptance that i was right where i needed to be i was with who i needed to be with and that my life had to be given to the simple program and to god if i was going to have a chance and thank god for it man because the blessings that have been bestowed upon me since I've gotten clean and have entered recovery. It's like, it's that type of stuff that I just want to like shout to the world. I'm like, Hey, everyone, you should like get in recovery. Cause it's amazing. Like you don't even know like the spiritual gifts you're going to have and the connections you're going to make. And it's like, yada, yada, yada. And everyone's looking at me like, cool, bro. I don't really like the big books. You know, it's like whatever, you know, but like it, it's stuff that just stokes me out so much, man. I never thought I'd have this relationship with people, first of all, and I never thought I'd have this relationship with God. And again, this is all from a seed that was planted two years prior when I walked into my first Celebrate Recovery meeting, man. And, and it's something that I hold dear to my heart. It really is. Me too, man. You know, I, the, I, and that's what it's, there's nothing more rewarding in this program. Like even my own personal recovery, uh, almost doesn't come close to being able to walk through the program with a fellow. And, uh, it's, 
it's really wild, man. And uh, just to kind of touch a little bit on what you were saying there towards the end, what, what, what is so radically crazy about the program is like God does all these incredible miracles and it's not just like this, you know, um, it, they're, they're noticeable. They're visible, oh, yeah. crazy <laughs> miracles. And it's not because we're doing anything substantial. Right. You know what I mean? We're just doing what we're supposed to be, <laughs> what a lot of people in normal society are doing. And, and uh, God sees a fit that like through that, I think he knows, you know, the battle that, that, that is within. And, uh, you know, we're, we're stubborn little kids in that way. And he's like, oh my gosh, I got to give these guys, you know, <laughs> a special treatment because <laughs> they're so full of themselves, you know. Oh, egotistical. I'm an egomaniac who likes self-worth. <laughs> Try doing it with that on a daily basis, right? So, Amen, you know, brother. <laughs> right, right. You know, but well, just to go on that, yeah, man, like, I, it, it is, it is absolutely wild what God has done. And sometimes I'm in absolute disbelief. It's like, God will put somebody in my life or put me in a situation or just, like I said, man, I had a fellow addict's mom text me like, can you please reach out to so-and-so? That blows my mind. That absolutely blows my mind. Um, just, you know, speaking on like the spiritual gifts of it, you know, just when you were talking about what God does and like uh, all this type of stuff, to think of the positions that God has put me in or the things that he's done or the gifts that he's blessed me with, like to use me like as such a sinner to take me and like use me for his glory, use me for his purpose, it absolutely blows me away, man. And it just makes me think of like, Jesus's disciples, right? Like none of like these weren't some like goody two shoe type cats, you know what I mean? Like Matthew, tax collector, Paul wrote like half the Bible, you know, like all of that stuff. And I look at that, I'm like, well, if he uses them for his glory, like, dude, I'm like a saint compared to that, right? Like, but it still stokes me. <laughs> yeah, like I have a chance, you know what I mean? But it absolutely stokes me out, man. And, and the gifts are endless and as long as I continue to do the next right thing, man, and keep that spiritual connection with God and continue working my program and, you know, reaching out, I don't see any end in sight. You know what I mean? And it stokes me out. Like, yeah, man. Well, I think you kind of brought this up a little bit, but uh, I just want to kind of dive into it a little bit. Uh, we got some time left. Um, we're just wrapping up our conversation about step three. You know, step three, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Um. We spent a lot of time on this one, huh? <laughs> and uh, I think there's, yeah, man. And I think it's, it's necessary. And, and we have conversations about this a lot. Um, I see it in the rooms all the time. This one gets breezed over, not only in secular meetings, but almost more so in uh, celebrate recovery groups because we think, oh yeah, relationship with God, I got it, you know? And, uh, you know, if we really work step three, we'll come to find out, man, uh, maybe I don't have, maybe I haven't turned over as much as I, I thought I had. And so, uh, what, what would you share? What, what's been your person? I mean, we've got, we, I mean, we spent a lot of time, so obviously we can't, you know, go into everything, but what's just kind of, uh, overview your thoughts, your experience with step three and, uh, what you might want to share with others. I can say that my perception of step three after I worked it or working it, I, cause I, I don't want to say that I worked it right. Like, you know, I, I went through the step, but it's still a daily step that I have to take, you know, to turn my will over to God and not satisfy my own flesh is a daily battle, you know, mm -hmm. but I know that to truly come to terms with that, 
and understand the significance of what that really means to make a decision to turn my life over to God, the will of God and not my own. That is something that was so foreign to me for so long. And that was it's not something that I could just say, yep, yeah, no, I can do that and actually receive the gift from it, right? Because I think one of the saddest things out there is saying, oh, well, are, are, you, are you an alcoholic? Are you an addict? Yep, okay, step one. Uh, do you believe in God? Yep, okay, step two. Uh, do you think you can like listen to that God? Yep, okay, step three. I would be so robbed of the blessings that those steps and the humility that those steps bring to me, you know, if I did that. So working step three, man, one of my favorite things about it was that we actually had to put action to it as well. Right. So like at the time I was doing an H and I commitment. Um, and then, you know, I picked up a, a church commitment, you know, I, I'm talking with other addicts, you know, I'm making myself of service, right. I, I'm living out God's will to the best of my ability, you know, um, hope, you know, most times on a daily basis, right. I'm trying at least. Right. So it, it, it really is, man. It, it's 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 hard to put in words it really is hard to put in words because it's so big and all i can say is that it's one of those things you'll know it when it hits you you know you'll know it when it hits you and when i felt it and i felt his love and i felt what it was like to step out of myself and into god's grace it was remarkable yeah and to even add on to that uh, I think you would agree with me and I feel absolutely confident saying it's impossible to do in a moment's notice. You can't just, you can't just say, Hey, this is it. No. I'm done. It's impossible. And uh, no. yeah, I think it definitely, you know, we, we as sponsors and sponsees have responsibilities for each other. Uh, but at the end of the day, like this is our program, you know, and, and we, we have the, the right to hire and fire sponsees, sponsors, whatever and else. Um, but, you know, we can't, you know, we have this conversation a lot with a lot of sponsors maybe don't have the knowledge of, you know, it's, they're living out their experience, you know what I mean? Um, but when it comes to step three, if our sponsor is saying, hey, you know, are you willing to, uh, you know, live in God's will? And you just say, yeah, and he wants to move on. It's absolutely okay to tell your sponsor, hey, man, I want to hang out in this for a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and see how I can actually apply this to my life. That's what we did, right? It was like, Hey, oh, yeah. do you believe this? Yes. Okay. How does this play out in your life? Let's spend some time in this. Let's see, let's take some action and make this a, a real thing. These aren't just ideas that we're pl implanting into our minds, but we're actually doing something about it. And uh, no matter where you are at in your program, this is a daily reprieve, you know, like, just like you said, you know, I got to wake up in the morning. Uh, I want a cup of coffee. And for whatever reason, maybe God says, Hey, I don't see a fit that you have that cup of coffee. Well, I gotta right. be willing to, <laughs> to let that go, you know? And, uh, so just taking it day by day and, you know, we follow our, the leading of our sponsors. Uh, but we have the responsibility ourselves as well to, you know, take responsibility for our program, you know? And, um, that's, I think that hopefully that's something that's come across in our relationship is, is continuously pushing that responsibility off on you and I'll guide you and I'll lead you and I'll love you through it. But at the end of the day, you've got to find out how it's going to work in your life. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I think, like you said, you know, I, I know we're running short on time here, but I just, I want to reiterate what you said. Step three was something for me, at least that was impossible 
even truly grasp in a moment's notice, alone agree to in a moment's notice. It took a lot of trial and error. It still takes a lot of trial and error. I'm not perfect. I still attempt to satisfy my own flesh at times. I still struggle with uh, living in God's will at times, you know, and I struggle with not knowing what God's will for me is all of the time, you know, and I always think back at a conversation that we had when you told me, Dylan, maybe it's best you don't know God's will for you. If you knew God's will for you, you'd probably just go and mess it up, you know? And it's one of those things, you know? <laughs> and, it, and that really hit me hard. That really hit me hard. But I, I today I, I accept the fact that Jesus' plans and his business strategies are none of my best. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not my business. I am here to serve him. Um, I am here to, you know, be of service to my fellow man or whatever he sees fit. That's what he sees fit. You know, who am I to try to call shots? I never created anything. He created the universe. And I want to tell him how it's supposed to go. No, nah, man, that's absolutely crazy. You know? So yeah, step three, man. Try it though. Yeah, yeah, I still try it. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, I'm breaking out a checkerboard. He already called checkmate and some chess type stuff. You know what I mean? So but it is, man. Step three, I would just encourage people to really pray and meditate and sit on that and understand what it feels like, man. Not just to say it, but what it may actually feel like when they when they have one of those spiritual experiences and they realize that they were not in self, you know, because that's what it was like for me. When I realized that I'm not in self, that my anxiety goes away, my depression goes away. Um, self-pity goes away because I'm in God's will and, and you know I try to find those sweet spots any which way I can and it, it's rewarding man it really is rewarding but it's through the work of, of my relationship with God and through the work of gently working these steps that that was possible so good I love it man well yeah we got to wrap it up here but uh, I just wondering what you might tell uh, people who are just starting out in the program uh, what you might uh, encourage them with. And also for people who might be listening and saying, um, I'm not sure if Celebrate Recovery is for me. What would you tell uh, both of those individuals? So for the person maybe struggling just starting out, let's just start with that one first. For the person just starting out, you know, I just want to say it gets better. It really, really does. Um, and please, I beg of you this, if nothing more, I beg you this, have a soft heart and an open mind. Um, because some of the seeds that were planted for me, I didn't know they were planted at the time. Some of the most impactful moments of my recovery that are, are, are impactful today didn't even realize it, you know? So just keep an open mind, a soft heart, man, and just ride with it. Do not give up, man. I, again, I was. I, it took me two years to finally get clean. Two years of being out and, you know, loitering with pain to recover before I finally got clean. You know what I mean? Um, so just ride it out, man, and connect. Please, please connect with people. Talk with people. That feeling of, oh, I don't want to bother people with my problems or yada, yada, yada. I can assure you, you're robbing the blessing of somebody from somebody, you know, by not making that phone call. I can't tell you how many times a newcomer has called my phone and I got so much more out of it than they did, you know. So it's a blessing that goes both ways. So connect with people, man. Um, and for the people who aren't feeling Celebrate Recovery, maybe they're gun shy about Celebrate Recovery. All I can say is there's 
there's no rules, man. You don't, I'm not telling you to believe I believe. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just telling you to come and hang out. Just come and hang out. And, and you tell me if you can't feel the love in the room, you know? And, and this program, one of my favorite things about Celebrate Recovery is, you know, maybe there's some people not struggling with addiction necessarily to drugs and alcohol, but uh, pornography or lust or uh, depression or anxiety or ideas, whatever it may be, these things are a problem. Program, follow God's will. These things can be addressed. I, I believe that at least, you know, in my, in my, in my case, you know, I believe that these things can be addressed, you know, so just give it a shot, man. Again, just like I tell the cat struggling uh, in the beginning to somebody not willing or maybe hesitant to uh, come to self recovery, just come with an open heart, a soft heart and an open mind um, and just see where it'll take you, man seeds that were planted that have grown into beautiful things in my recovery today were planted long before I ever realized that they were, they touched soil. You know what I mean? So open heart, you know, open mind, soft heart. All right, man, brother. I love it, dude. Thanks so much for coming and, and being on the podcast. This is a uh, pretty surreal, I think for, for the both of us, it's uh, totally. really, truly a blessing. This is a miracle. Like we were talking about before. I don't think, uh, the masses could ever really understand how miraculous this is. And so uh, I thank God for that. Amen. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, look forward to, to doing some more on here with you and uh, God bless you, man. And I love you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I love you too, bro. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to A Testimony Talk. I hope that you take what we talk about here and have conversations with others. The things that we talk about on here are meant to start conversations, not end them. So I pray that you would talk with someone about what you heard here today and that you would look for ways to be a light in your own community. If you are struggling to find community and people to talk with, then please send an email to recovery at palmvalley.org and I will personally get you connected with a volunteer from Celebrate Recovery. Nothing changes the fact that we need each other, even if that means that we have to find new and creative ways to do so. You can also send me encouraging messages, comments, or concerns to that same email, recovery at palmvalley.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please share it with someone else. I love you all, and I hope to see you soon.